Well, amen. Welcome to the year of all in at Fellowship Baptist Church. We are going to unashamedly, without apology, we are going to call God's people to a greater, to a higher level of commitment to Him, to His church, to His word, to His work, and to His world. And we're going to start all of that with a brand new message series this morning that we have entitled His Call for My All, Giving All of You for All of Him. I'm going to ask you to join me this morning in the Gospel of Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Our emphasis for the next four weeks is going to be on the subject of stewardship. Just so we're on the same page this morning, I want to make sure you understand what I'm talking about when I use the term stewardship. Stewardship is the total commitment of all that I am and all that I have to the leadership and the lordship of Jesus Christ. Look at it again. The total commitment of all that I am and of all that I have to the leadership and lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, for those of you who have been in church for a few years, you understand this, that of all the messages that, that preachers preach, they can all pretty much be put into one of two categories. They can either be in the category of comforting the afflicted, or they fall into the category of afflicting the comfortable. And I'll be straight up honest with you this morning, this message today is the latter kind. I am praying this morning that God, through His Word, will afflict the comfortable and the complacent because I am absolute, and I am absolutely convinced this morning that many of you are one decision away from a totally different life, and that decision is to go all in. That's the last step that you have to take if you're going to get in on God's best for your life. I'm sure most of you here this morning are familiar with the Pony Express. It was a, a private express company that carried mail by an organized relay of horseback riders. The eastern uh, end of it was in St. Joe, Missouri, while the western terminal was in Sacramento, California. The cost of sending a letter by Pony Express was $2.50 an ounce. 
if the weather and horses held out and the Indians held off, that letter would make the entire 2,000-mile journey in a speedy 10 days or less. Being a rider for the Pony Express was a tough job. You were expected to ride 75 to 100 miles a day, changing horses every 15 to 25 miles. Other than the mail, the only baggage that you carried contained few provisions, including a kit of flour, cornmeal, and bacon. You see, even back then, it was all about the bacon. I could have made it if there was bacon. In case of danger, you also had a medical pack of turpentine, borax, and cream of tartar. I guess so that you could lick your wounds. I don't know. I don't know what that was about. In order to travel light and increase speed and mobility during Indian attacks, the men always rode in shirt sleeves, even during the fierce winter months. Now, how do you suppose that a company would go about recruiting volunteers for a job that hazardous? In 1860, San Francisco newspaper printed this ad for the Pony Express. Wanted, young, skinny, wiry fellows not over 18. Must be expert riders willing to risk death daily. And then they added this, orphans preferred. As you can see, the life of a Pony Express rider was not easy. And I submit to you this morning that neither is the life of a true, all-in disciple of Jesus Christ. Discipleship, like the Pony Express, is not an easy road. As we turn our attention now to the Gospel of Luke, just as the ad for Pony Express riders presented the honest facts of the service required. So does the Word of God when it comes to being a true-hearted, fully committed, all-in follower of Jesus Christ. Here are the words from the mouth of Jesus, beginning in verse 25. And there went great multitudes with him. And he turned and he said unto them, If any man come after me, and hate not his father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be 
my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest haply after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. For what king, having to make war against another king, sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, verse 34. But if the salt has lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is neither fit for the land, nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. If you paid attention to what I just read, you recognize that there was a recurring phrase in these verses. It appears three times. And that phrase is, cannot be my disciple. I find it interesting that Jesus was speaking to a great multitude of people in this passage, yet he didn't sugarcoat what he had to say. Unlike a lot of churches in our day, he wasn't looking for a crowd. He was looking for commitment. He wasn't just looking for decisions. He was looking for disciples. I love what an older commentator had to say. His name was Ivor Powell. And he said in his commentary on Luke, we have become slaves to statistics. And quantity has superseded quality. It would be well If all preachers proclaimed, as it were, from the housetops that church membership does not necessarily mean discipleship. My favorite pastors from days gone by is a man named Vance Havner, and he said this, We have put the demands of discipleship in fine print for fear of scaring present-day prospects. Listen to me this morning. Jesus wasn't playing games with these people. He meant business. And he wanted them to mean business with him. Like the Pony Express, going all in for God is not going to appeal to the casually casually interested. It's costly service. He asks for our life. He asks 
for our service to him to become a priority, not a pastime. He doesn't want servants who will give the leftovers of their life's commitments. Are you hearing me this morning? He wants men and women who are willing to give him their all. I concur with Pastor Mark Batterson, who said, My greatest concern as a pastor is that people can go to church every week of their lives and never go all in with Jesus Christ. They can follow the rules but never follow Christ. He said, I'm afraid we've cheapened the gospel by allowing people to buy in without selling out. We've made it too convenient, too comfortable. We've given people, and this is so sad, we've given people just enough Jesus to be bored but not enough to feel the surge of holy adrenaline that courses through your veins when you decide to follow him no matter what, no matter where, no matter when. It's like was said in the the video a moment ago, we're too Christian to enjoy sin and too sinful to enjoy Christ. We've got just enough Jesus to be informed, but we don't have enough Jesus to be transformed. And there are any number of people here this morning who say, well, if I were asked, are you following Jesus? The answer would be, yes, pastor, I'm following Jesus. But I'm afraid that in a lot of churches, even in this church, people who say they're following Jesus really aren't. The truth of the matter is they've invited Jesus to follow them. They're still in charge. They still call the shots. They still set the agenda. But yet they expect Jesus to go along with it and shower him, shower them with all of his blessings. Listen to me today. That's not the way it works with God. You'll not find that even hinted at anywhere in this book. The truth is the life of the disciple is not how it's made out by some preachers today. Discipleship is not attending a church service once a week or just when you feel like it or can fit it into your schedule. Discipleship is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle that sometimes calls for long hours, hard work, and lots of sacrifice. Just to put it out there where it is this morning, going all in is hard. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to lie to you this morning. Loving God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind is hard work. It's commitment. But it's worth it. But it's hard. And let me tell you why. 
from the, from the words of Jesus in Luke 14. Number one, it's hard because there are some priorities to be established. Look at, look at verse 26. If any man come after me, or any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, something needs to be understood here before going any farther. Jesus is not telling us to hate the ones we should love. So you teenage boys down here, you can't point to this and say, this is why I hate my sister right here. Jesus isn't, isn't telling us to hate the ones we should love. Listen, the same Jesus who told us to love our enemies would not turn around and tell us to hate our families. The word hate here means to love less. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37, I think, helps us understand this a little better. Matthew puts it a little differently. He said this, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Listen, it's not a matter of loving our families. We ought to have love for our families. It's a matter of loving our family more than we love Jesus. Back in Jesus' day, more times than not, when someone became a believer, they were expelled from their family. I mean, even today in some cultures, we, we are a, a mission church and we have missionaries in and out of here all of the time. And it's nothing for them to tell us stories of, of people who've been converted to, to Christianity who are then immediately disowned by their family. Many times they, they live in fear of death. When I was studying for the message, I came across the story of a pastor in Texas. His name's Jim Dennison. And for a summer, he served as a missionary in East Malaysia while he was in college. And while he was there, he attended a small church. And at one of the church's worship services, a teenage girl came forward to announce her decision to follow Christ and to be baptized. During the service, Dennison noticed some, some worn-out luggage leaning against the, the wall of the, of the church building, so he asked the pastor about it. The pastor pointed to the girl who had just been baptized, and he said this to Dennison. Her father said that if she would, was baptized as a Christian, she could never go home again. So she brought her luggage. That's what it means to love Jesus more than you love your family. That's what it means to go all in. If you're going to be one of Christ's disciples, then he must be your first love. He will not take second place to anyone or to anything. Someone has said that some Christians have Jesus present in their life and some have him prominent in their life. But those who go all in, in their lives, Jesus is preeminent. Can I ask you this morning, 
Where's Jesus in your life? Where's Jesus at in your heart? Is he present, prominent, or preeminent? The second reason going all in is hard is in verse 27, there's a price to be exacted. And, and, and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Again, here, here's something we need to, to understand this morning. Jesus, just as, as Jesus paid a price to save us, we must be willing to pay a price to serve him. That's why he used the illustration of counting the cost before building or battling. But pastor, what did, what did Jesus mean when he talked about bearing the cross? Let me answer that first of all by helping you understand what he didn't mean. And we say this and we hear it said often, but, but let, let's let's. Let's understand this morning, bearing our cross is not putting up with the hardships of life. Oh, we all have our cross to bear. We are not bearing the cross in the sense that Jesus was speaking of. For example, when we're forced to deal with poor health or unemployment or invalid parents or an unsafe spouse or a wayward child or any number of other things. We may say, well, yeah, I'm bearing this heavy cross, but the truth of the matter is that's not what Jesus is talking about here. The cross was only used for one thing in the days of Christ. And we talked about this in our Bible study class this morning. Whenever somebody saw a cross... Here's what they knew to be true. Somebody was about to die. The only time that you would see a man carrying a cross was when either he himself or someone else was about to be put to death. What Jesus had in mind when he made reference to us bearing our cross, understand me this morning, he's talking about death. Jesus is making it plain here that he not only expects us to live for him, but he expects us to die with him. The call to discipleship is a call to self-denial and death, not a call to self-fulfillment and delight. I don't care what TV preacher you listen to or how many books you buy, if that's what they're telling you, they're a liar. Bottom line, the call to discipleship is a call to self-denial and death. Jesus was saying, if you want to follow me, then you're going to have to die to some things. If we're going to be an all-in disciple for Jesus Christ, we're going to have to die to some things like ambition, giving up what we want for what he wants. We die to things like affluence. Listen, being a true disciple will call for sacrifice that will affect us both financially and materially. 
It's about dying to things like acceptance. Listen, if you make that, that take that step in, into being all in, a, a wholehearted, fully committed follower of Jesus Christ, there are going to be some people around you that you go to school with and that you work with and that you recreate with and that you socialize with. They're not going to get it. They're not going to understand it. And the truth of the matter is this morning, church, some of those people may be in your own family. They're not going to get it. They're not going to understand it. To quote Vance Abner again, he said, We need men and women of the cross with the message of the cross, bearing the marks of the cross. The church has devised a new cross today, an ornament to wear around the neck or on our lapel. We wear it like a charm, a holy horseshoe. But such an ornament does not interfere with godless living, never goes against the grain of the old nature. Sadly, what is offered in most pulpits today is Christianity light. Tastes great, less filling. It's Christianity for consumers. It's Burger King religion. Have it your own way. Find me that in the message of Jesus Christ. It's not in there, friend. Anywhere. That's a new way of doing church, devised by men who want big crowds and lots of people. You know, it's amazing to me. Every time I read of Jesus preaching to a large crowd, it's like he just lays a hammer down. Because he wants to see who's all in. He wants to see who's real as opposed to those who are just playing the game. And believe me, there were a lot of people in Jesus' day who were just playing the game. How many of us would be willing to pray a prayer like this one prayed by a saint of many, many centuries ago? Lord, high and holy, meek and lowly. Let me learn by paradox that the way down is a uh, is, is the way up, that to be low is to be high, that the broken heart is the healed heart, that the contrite spirit is the rejoicing spirit, that the repenting soul is a victorious soul, that to have nothing is to possess everything, that to bear the cross is to wear the crown, that to give is to receive. Let me find thy light in my darkness, thy joy in my sorrow, thy grace in my sin, thy riches in my poverty, thy glory in my valley, and here it is, thy life in my death. Finding Christ's life in our death is the essence of all in discipleship. Look at verse 33. Here's the third reason that discipleship is hard. That going all in is not easy because there are some priorities to be established. There's a price to be exacted. And there's a passion to be exhibited. Verse 33, so likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be 
my disciples. Now notice here that Jesus does not require us, and I want you to understand that. He, he doesn't require us to give away everything. His requirement is to give up everything. That is, he requires us to give up ownership, which, by the way, none of it's ours anyway. It's all his. But he wants us to consciously and deliberately give up ownership so that he might do with us and with what we have what he desires to do. Now, some may look at that kind of sacrifice as a, a negative thing, but it's not negative at all. It, it, it's really very positive. Let me show you, for example, the football team or the basketball team or the baseball team that makes sacrifices in the gym or on the field or in the weight room. They're the ones that wear the championship ring. That athlete who sacrifices on the track or in the pool or on the mat, they're the ones that wear the gold medal. And if you know one of those individuals, ask them sometimes if sacrifice is a negative thing. No, they'll tell you it's a very positive thing. That's how I got this. That's how I got on the top stand was because I was willing to sacrifice. And then we have to ask ourselves, what drives that kind of commitment? What drives that kind of dedication? What drives that kind of sacrifice? And the answer is passion. A passion to be the best. Jesus finished this passage by talking about salt. His words... They really don't resonate with us today like they would have the day that he was addressing this group of people. In those days, salt was a very valuable commodity. As a matter of fact, salt was how a soldier got paid. It was said of a soldier who lacked dedication and commitment and a willingness to sacrifice that he wasn't worth his salt. You've heard that before? Well, they're not worth their salt. That's where that comes from. A soldier who was not passionate about his job was not worth his salt and was of no use to the army that he served. And the real truth is he was more of a detriment to the cause than anything else. The point that Jesus is making here is this. Someone who has been saved but is not willing to pay the price to follow him isn't worth his or her salt. And in all honesty... They're more of a detriment to the cause of Christ than anything else. When lost people see saved people or people who profess to be saved living the same kind of life they live and attending the same kind of activities they attend, 
and missing as much church as they miss, the message they take away from that, that is the message that lost people take away from that, is that Christ and the church are irrelevant. Let that sink in for a minute. And when you or I preach a message with our life that says Christ and the church are irrelevant, then we have become a detriment to the cause of Christ. It's not an easy road. That's the message the great missionary David Livingston returned to a missionary society years ago in response to a letter that he had received from them. David Livingston was a missionary in Africa. And on one occasion, he received a letter from this society, and here's what it said. Have you found a good road to where you are? If so, we want to know how to send other men to join you. David Livingston wrote back and he said this, if you have men that will only come if they know there is a good road, then I don't want them. He said, I want men who will come even if there is no road at all. Half-hearted is no way to live. Half-hearted not going to get you in the winner's circle. It's not going to get you that job promotion. It's not going to help you have a better attitude. It's not going to ha- help you have a better marriage. Half-hearted won't help you lose weight. Half-hearted won't help you, us, get in shape. And if it won't work for those things, then why would anyone ever believe that half-hearted would work for God? All in. All the time. Everywhere you go. Everything you do. If you're not there, get there. It's time to ante up. It's time to go all in. If Jesus is not Lord of all, then Jesus is not Lord at all. Listen, church, it's all or nothing. It's now or never. Let's go all in and make a difference a bigger difference than we've ever made before in our lives personally and in the life and history and ministry of Fellowship Baptist Church. Would you pray with me today?